Good morning and welcome to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday. It's the 23rd of March. Pori Corkin, good morning. Good morning, Deirdre. Good How morning, listeners. I'm great. Absolutely great. Tough week. Tough week weather-wise if weather-wise, you're a gardener. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, we didn't get the worst of it though now, in fairness. No, we got, in fairness, actually, we got off really lightly. We did. If, if the truth be told. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so travelling up this morning, I mean, it's a lovely morning out there. It's, it's okay, it's overcast. I thought the sun was going to break out there at, at one instance. Oh, you were very optimistic. But at least it's dry. At least it's dry. Yeah. And there's good wind as well, which helped to dry up things again. But, uh, you know, a nice, a nice morning for the garden. I think there's lots that can be done. And coming up to the end of March, there's certainly plenty to be done in most gardens. So... Plenty of questions, please. Yes, well, there are loads to come fairly okay, shortly. Good. But, but before we do that, you, you've got a couple of events happening yourself we have at indeed, the moment, uh, just to kind of maybe remind people of those, first of all. Well, this weekend, uh, this Saturday and Sunday, we have a Grow Your Own weekend, a free Grow Your, grow your Own weekend in the garden centres in Turlock and Westport and in Sligo and in Galway. Mm. So people can come along. We have a, a number of the team there to talk to them about growing potatoes and, and vegetables in general, both fruit, vegetables and herbs will be covered. Um, we also have in Turlock, in the Turlock Centre, we have the Mayo Abbey Organic Centre coming down. All right. They're bringing some of their um, tutors and students uh, are coming along as well. And they're going to be available to talk to people um, about gardening in general, about grow your own in general, and, and particularly it being an organic centre, they'll be bringing an organic slant to the whole grow, grow your own um, growing your own vegetables and fruit and herbs um, and they're also there to talk about their, their own classes they've got some very interesting uh, gardening classes starting in Mayo Abbey as well so they'll be available the, the team from Mayo Abbey Organic Centre will be available in our Turlock Centre this morning mm-hmm. and also tomorrow from, from 12 to 6 Okay, that so would be quite interesting it's, I suppose with recessionary times I always associate and I suppose it is a cost of production and everything like that but organic in theory anyway and I'm sure somebody can dispute me on this but I suppose the general idea is that it is a that bit more expensive to produce and as a result of it, it becomes that much more expensive to buy or that bit more expensive to yeah, buy and it, but, it, but growing it certainly in, in a home instance yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, more expensive. I mean, really, organic growing is 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 the growing of vegetables, fruit, and herbs without the use of artificial okay. fertilizers, insecticides, and and uh, you know and, and controls, weed controls. So mm. it's it's growing plants very organically um, using natural methods, natural uh, fertilizers, natural. Um, Methods and certainly varieties like blightfly predators and carrot uh, resistant carrots and so on. Picking varieties that are actually naturally defensive against pests and diseases is also a method that's used. And growing plants under tunnels or mm. cloches. Um, so the the team from Mayo Abbey will be available in Turlock all day today. Same tomorrow from twelve to six on Sunday. And it's a grow your own weekend. It's really this is the time of year, Deirdre. You can see it from the calls we're getting: potatoes and cabbage. And there's loads mm. of interest from people wondering what to do. Yeah, actually, I see a few total questions coming there in you go. Yeah, earlier. So definitely, I think that the movement in that direction is still very strong. I suppose what I was kind of maybe referring to there with the organic side of it is, is the organic movement still as strong? Because I suppose there are kind of two separate strands to grow your own as such. Yeah, well, I, I suppose that the what, what we're finding certainly in the garden centres is that people are interested in growing plants naturally. Now, 
they're prepared to use some artificial fertiliser and I suppose that's the way I, gu- way I guard myself. Mm. I see it more as free range. Yes, well that's it. Yeah, <laughs> free yeah, range yeah, yeah. rather than pos- yeah. possibly being totally organic, organic and yeah. I think if it it's, comes back to really common sense. I mean, if you're growing plants for the table, if you're growing vegetables for home consumption, of course you want to be very mindful of what you're putting on them and I would always advocate using particularly blight-free varieties, using natural fertilisers where possible but a little bit of artificial fertiliser, um, the occasional treatment here and there when necessary is, you know, in my view, certainly, it's, it's certainly the way I garden at home because, I'm, you know, I can't, we cannot, I find it difficult to do it totally organic. Um, so I think it's, it's bringing that common sense to it. So yes, I think people, there are uh, individuals that are very interested in just growing mm. in a very organic ma- way but I think if, we, if you grow free range it's it's the best of both worlds really okay. and just be mindful I mean it's you know it's simple things like the slug pellets you know people tend to put he- handfuls and heapfuls yes, out rather yeah. than you know little and often same with, with using artificial fertilizers same with using any treatments it's it's really being mindful of what you're doing okay um, so look at that's in the garden centres today particularly in Turlock they've got the Mayo uh, Abbey Organic Group and right. they're there to talk to, to, to customers as they come in about uh, different methods of growing both vegetables, fruit and herbs and also they'll be available to talk about their own centre and their own courses that they're going to be running um, over the, for the rest of the year. Um, so come along anytime from about half ten today right through to six o'clock this evening and same tomorrow on Sunday twelve to six grow your own anyone in, interested in growing your own come on down Great. and I think the students add a nice element to it as Definitely. well because and, and I suppose you would be able to kind of find out because students are all starting from scratch or at exactly. least a lot of them are anyway which is a lot of the time where the normal I suppose the, the, the likes of the myself average, and the average, the average person gardener, yeah. yeah so it's great to be able to maybe interact on that level with the, the students and see how they're getting exactly. on exactly and, and they've made the, they've made the common mistakes mm. that we all have made mm. and um, they'll be coming from very much from their experience and what they've found working so that's that's in the garden centre it's a free day on us come on down if you're interested in grow your own growing vegetables herbs or vegetables in general um, come down to the centres and we'll certainly give you as much advice as possible all day long. Okay, I'd say you're going to have a busy day today. Yeah. The other interesting um, thing, you remember we ran the competition last week. We asked for communities right through Mayo, Roscommon, Galway, Sligo to get in touch because we're putting a free day on in Hawkins uh, to suit community groups. And really I was looking for groups that might be interested in gardening or any individuals. It could be uh, bridge clubs, golf clubs, any group of individuals between 15 members and 40 members to contact us last week with a view coming down to the garden centre and Hawkins putting on a day of gardening to suit them. We were inundated That's with fantastic. calls from all over, all over. Um, and I'm glad to say the, the winner we selected was from Glenamadi. Um, Helen from Glenamadi, she um, a very wor- worthy winner and they have actually both a men's group and a ladies group. Okay, so the best of both worlds. And we actually have Helen on the line with us now. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Porek. How are you? I'm very, very well, and thank you for joining us this morning. Tell us a little bit about the group. Well, Glenamady Community Development Company was formed in 1995, and it was set up to address the needs of the local community uh, with a view to generating extra employment opportunities locally and uh, creating an an atmosphere of self-help. And I believe you've got both a men's group and a women's group, so it's quite unusual. Yes, we do indeed. We have a variety of projects, but um, one of them is our men's chat project. And um, it's, it's a club for men 
to meet socially. They, they're from all walks of life. They're all different age groups, just all over 18. And they have undertaken a gardening project. Very good. And they also worked on a cottage for Pieta House, the little cottage that they built and auctioned. Excellent. So Pieta House in conjunction with Midwest for the car boot sale. And what aspects of gardening do you think the men's club would be interested in? The men are very interested in grow your own and uh, kind of being so uh, being um, uh, self-sufficient in that. They produced some vegetables last year. Okay. And um, another element of our uh, projects is our community market, which is underway every Saturday morning and will be starting about 10.30 this morning. And they hope in time maybe to produce some vegetables that they could maybe... Um, a showcase at Glenamady Community uh, Market and maybe access some consumers. That's a great idea. So the day that you come to Hawkins for the workshop for, for the men's group, we'd put on a Grow Your Own section. Great. And for the ladies' group, what would you like us to do? The ladies are particularly interested, I think, in hanging baskets okay. and that kind of thing. Excellent, because we're coming into the time of year for that. Yes, so a bit of a uh, thing and hanging baskets, containers, yeah. window boxes. So look, at, we're really looking forward to bringing you to Hawkins Garden Centre uh, later on in April. We're going to record a programme from, from it and we'll divide the men up into grow your own and vegetable growing and the ladies up into hanging baskets and window boxes and containers. We also hope to visit the Museum of Natural of country life as well and, and walk their gardens and talk to their gardener on the day uh, as a special trip as part of the workshop. We look forward to that park. It's a lovely prize and thank you very much for affording us the opportunity to undertake these activities. You're more than welcome and we're really looking forward to having you. Thanks, Park. Thanks, Helen. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye now. You're very welcome back. It was great talking to Helen there. Absolutely. Boric. We're yeah. really looking forward to them coming in the middle of April now. And we, we got a, a huge response from all over, from Sparta Sligo, Roscommon, Mayo, okay. and Galway. So a bit disappointing maybe for the other groups. Well, what we're it? going to do oh. is contact the groups during the week, this coming week. Any any of the groups that, that uh, contacted us last week, we're going to give them a buzz during the week and we'll organise something for them. We, we'll look to do some workshops oh, for each of the groups that, that rang us. Um, and that we do that right through April and May uh, of this year. So we get back to everyone on Monday or Tuesday okay. of next week. Great. Oh, well then. There you go. Yeah, okay. So lots of people will have loads of interest now. Okay, we've lots of questions too. Yep. We're going to kick this off by just reminding people about those phone numbers and text numbers. And Teresa is busy taking calls already for us this morning. But if you want to call us, it's 0818-3055. And then if you're texting as well, it's 087-900-4141. With thanks to C and C Cellular. And don't forget, you can email us as well anytime at all at garden at midwestradio.ie. Now, I thought thought that everyone would be, well, you know how I'm the fair weather gardener, Porik, and that uh, people might be kind of indoors as a result of the weather, but it would appear not. Lots of people still planning, planning very much. Uh, loads of projects. Um, so raised beds are going to kick things okay. off on the questions for us this morning. And somebody has raised beds and they've cleaned them out of last year's plants and weeds. And they're wondering, is there anything they should add to the soil before planting. Absolutely and, and raised beds because the soil is confined in raised beds it is important each year to put some nutrition back into the soil. The easiest thing to apply is something like um, sea mungus 
fertilizer, which is a seaweed-based fertilizer, extremely good for vegetables, uh, carrots, parsnips, leafy vegetables like lettuce, cabbage and so on. Um, so literally just get some of the seamongous pellets, mm-hmm. rake it into the top level of the soil and you can start planting straight away. And, and many of the, the uh, vegetable plants, most are frost hardy, things like cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce plants, um, uh, potatoes, onion sets, garlic. They can all be planted out of doors now. Even with the cold weather that we're, we're getting, those mm. lower temperatures, they'll be perfectly hardy out of doors. So once you've got the bed clear, put on the seamongous, rake it into about the top three to four inches of the soil and then start planting straight away. Do keep an eye on, on the slugs because they are with the wet winter. There's a lot of slug activity around, so do put some protection down. Some of the organic pellets maybe would be very very good to use this time of year. But it's a great time to get back into the garden and particularly raised beds. Peas, for example, garden pea plants are available at the moment at this time of year. So there's lots of young plants ready to get into raised beds or ridges or tunnels or whatever, wherever people are planting at the moment. And the raised beds are great because even with this wet weather, they tend to dry out quicker because they're raised off, right, the, off of course, the ground. Yeah, so they're not sitting in water. Yeah, they're free least, draining. Yeah. They're, they're working um, a lot better. So for listeners that have raised beds with maybe that haven't been dug over, this is the sort of weather to dig it up, freshen them up because when we get the frosty weather during this coming week, that'll help to break down the soil as well. It'll help to eliminate some of the pests and some of the weed growth as well. Okay. But there's lots of time, Deirdre. I mean, yeah. we are having the Grow Your Own weekend yes. this weekend. I suppose that's just a kick-off to the season. But remember that you can continue to plant right through April, right through May, right up to the end of May, early June. You can still be planting lots of the vegetable plants. And it's often better to do little and often. So plant some plants, sow some seed, and then a month later, do the same thing again. Great stuff. Keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. That And that is the thing. And then you'll be able to have, kind of be pulling at it. and Produce you know, right produce, through yeah, to the yeah, end exactly, of the summer. Rather than that yeah. glut that sometimes can happen exactly. if everything is planted together. Exactly. Um, now, last week, actually, on the programme, we had a question about daffodils. And I know yeah, the daffodils got a fair old battering during the week. And my heart, I have to say, went out to the all the Daffodil Day people that were selling yeah. Yeah, uh, yesterday. Tough. It was <clears> a tough call indeed. But hopefully uh, things uh, were not too bad. But in relation to daffodils in the ground. Somebody had daffodils and they were falling over. Yeah, and that happened this year. When you Mm. get that, um, particularly this year where we got the heavy frost there at the beginning of March, lots of daffodils were hanging their heads, um, you know, night after night of heavy frost. You get that. They're full of water. Naturally enough, they're they're freezing at night time and both the stems and the the foliage tend to droop over, but it tends to pop back up again. And particularly with the taller varieties, they're more susceptible. You'll find shorter varieties like February Gold and Jetfire, they they recover easier because they're a shorter stem variety. The longer stemmed uh, traditional daffodils have fallen over quite a bit this year so it's just really down to the cold weather um, and you know the, the plants will be they'll be fine they'll okay. grow out of it you know they'll be perfectly okay so, so just not to get too panicky or no anything no like and that. the key thing with daffodils at this time of year enjoy them cut the flowers by all means but once they start to go out of flower it's the time to start feeding them with a liquid feed a high potash feed like liquid one would be very good mix it into a watering can pour it onto the plants because you're building up the bulb for the following um, year yes and that's the critical thing the other thing you can do with daffodils is to transplant them if you need to move them to other areas it's a really good time just as they're going out of flowers and that applies to all bulbs snow drops, crocuses, any of the bulbs that you want to divide, uh, just after flowering, lift them, transplant them and move them to another area of the garden. Perfect. Now, somebody is wondering about the best way and most economical way, this is a good question, to heat a greenhouse at 7 foot by 7 foot. Okay, and it's very important, very important at this time time of year um, because tender plants, certainly bedding plants, um, tomato plants, anything soft, 
frost will penetrate right through a greenhouse. So a couple of things you can do. One of the probably easiest ways to protect plants is to use garden fleece. So it's a very light material, like tissue paper. It's mm-hmm. very, very light in, in, its, um, in, its, in its weight. And you can literally fold it on the top of the plants over the seedlings. Two or three layers will keep the, the temperatures two to three degrees higher than the external temperature. So that alone gives tremendous protection. If you want to put on a little bit of heat, um, get yourself one of the small paraffin heaters and that can be lit uh, late at night and let it burn through the, the night and that'll keep the temperatures up. Or a small... Uh, gas heater that has a thermostat attached to it. So you can get these thermostat little gas heaters that click in and click out. So as the temperature rises, as it comes warm enough, the gas reduces and then as it gets colder, it just kicks back in again. But I find the garden fleece, it's what we use in the garden centre mm. to be honest, okay. to protect the plants during the, the very cold nights. Three, four layers of the garden fleece. If if the, the day is very chilly and, you know, so if we're coming through a frosty night and it's still cold the following morning, you can leave the fleece on the plants. The light is getting through. The plants will be totally protected So if you have to leave the fleece for a couple of days, the light is still penetrating through to the young seedlings and it's not going to do any damage. So for me, the garden fleece is probably the most economical way, to be honest, to keep the uh, frost off tender plants. Three, four layers of it on top of the plants is not going to do any damage, but it'll certainly give fantastic frost protection. Okay, great. So uh, if they're growing Mick in the the greenhouse, the very best of luck. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. Now, somebody has some apple trees, Porig, that are 40 years My old. God. Yeah, wow. And they only grew about seven foot high and they produce crap apples, cooking apples that split. But in the past two summers, they've had no apples and very little flowers and they're wondering, any idea what the problem well, the, might be? Well, the age of, the, age of the, the trees will give you some indication. I mean, apple trees, and they're obviously dwarf varieties, only growing mm. seven feet. I mean, they're absolutely perfect. Um, dwarf apple trees at that age, they need some pruning. And actually, this is, this is a very good time of year to do some pruning on older apple trees. Pruning stimulates new growth and that rejuvenates the plant. So it actually encourages lots of, when you cut a plant back, when Mm. you prune it back, you actually encourage it to produce new stems. And it's really on the younger wood that apples bear their fruit. So, you know, that older timber starts to lose its productivity. And and to be honest, the last two years have been difficult with apples in general. We've had a lot of great flowering, but very little, very poor insect activity last year with all the rain and also lots of disease around. So it it's not been a tremendous year for apples for the last two seasons. But certainly the age of the trees, what I would do is some winter pruning or some spring pruning now on the trees, selectively take out some of the older wood, the thicker wood. So you might be cutting branches three, four feet length, the quite thick stems, reduce some of that and that'll encourage some new growth. Feed the trees well. It's not going to encourage fruiting this year, but as the tree gets a little bit older, as it gets into its second and third year, that wood, that new growth will will um, start producing flower buds and producing a lot more fruit. The other thing you can do is to put on some potash and sulphur of potash uh, stimulates flowering and fruiting in plants. So it counteracts nitrogen and it, it slows the plants down and it encourages that flowering and, and fruiting ability. So a good application of potash on all fruit trees at this time of year is highly advisable as well. It helps to protect against disease as well. So I think some winter pruning now or some spring pruning now at this time of year, cut them back, you still plenty of time to do it and 
and uh, seal the wounds. If the wounds are more than three or four inches in diameter, put on some of the Medo Wax treatment, which will protect That's the wounds from any diseases. And give it a good dressing of, of a high potash fertiliser, a rose feed or sulfur potash on its own. And that'll help to bring the, the trees back into fruition again. Great stuff. Uh, somebody's got lovely camellias and they've been flowering from January, yeah. but the last couple of days the flowers are going brown again. How do we protect well, that's them? Just, that's just down to weather yeah. damage. I mean, the camellias have been beautiful this year with the mild January, sort of February period. Um, they're, they're blooming, as the listener says, since mm-hmm. Christmas time. Um, and unfortunately with, with camellias, they tend to, when, you, when the flowers do open, and particularly when you get rainfall with cold weather, you get that staining or browning on the flowers. Now, it's only, it's only going to damage the flowers that are fully open. So the new buds that have yet to come would be perfectly okay. So what I would do is just clean off those dead flowers, give the plant uh, an ericaceous feed, a camellia feed or rhododendron feed. That'll encourage some new, the buds that are on the plant to open and they'll be perfectly okay. So it's just, again, a little bit of weather damage on the flower. You'll expect it when you get that heavy rain and cold weather together on camellias. But it's just a matter of cleaning them up, feeding them, and they'll be perfectly okay. Okay. Good stuff. So n- 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 all is not about. lost no, by no, any no, means. No, no, no. no, no. There's great. still plenty of flowers yet. Yeah. I mean, camellias can flower well into May. So there's plenty of colour yet to come on those plants. Good, good, good. Now, somebody is wondering, speaking of colour, right. uh, can we inquire about hanging basket petunias? Are they ready yet or is it a little early to start baskets? Well, you'd, you'd really need a protective area. So if you've got a, a greenhouse, a tunnel, conservatory, a sunroom, somewhere that's going to be bright and cool, yes, yeah. you can start them at this time of year. The, the bedding plants have really just started now. The hanging okay. basket plants, fuchsias and begonias and uh, trailing petunias have, are just trickling in. So I would say, unless if you've got a greenhouse tunnel, by all means, you can start doing the baskets. Mm. But maybe if, if you're going to be putting them into a sheltered place outside, leave it for another two or three weeks. You've got okay. plenty of time right through April to start doing your baskets. Mid-April really would be a good time uh, to start getting the baskets planted. So yes, if you've got a protective area, by all means, you can make an early start. But if not, then leave it for another two weeks. Okay. Two to three weeks. Right. I know. It's, people are probably... Because Easter, is, Easter is a little bit early as yeah. well. And I suppose people might like to have a bit of colour. Well, and you won't, you won't have colour from the summer bedding yeah. plants until... Um, certainly until yeah. the first week of June, of June, end of May, early June. Now, if you want a bit of colour at this time yeah. in baskets, you could certainly put in things like the bellus, the little bachelor's buttons are still in flower, the primulas, the little polyanthus are blooming away, violas, pansies, marguerites are in flower at the moment. So there's lots of kind of... Uh, trailing blue campanula is flowering at the moment and they're all frost hardy so if you did want to add a bit, a bit of instant colour to the hanging baskets or tubs and containers then yes there's, there's plenty of colour available. Right well we actually have a question just on foot of that as well Park, uh, because just sorry not to cut across yeah, no, you know but somebody for and I, uh, has a family wedding tomorrow all right, okay. <laughs> and they're wondering can they plant uh, into outdoor pots for the church to add a bit of colour something with flowers and not shrubs so yes, absolutely. what you're suggesting there now would be ideal for that yeah, so the plants I, I would recommend, if you want some instant colour um, that will, you know, tolerate the sort of weather mm. we're getting at the moment, then go for the violas, pansies, osteospernums are in flower at the moment, the African daisy. They'll give you some instant colour. They tend to be shades of purples and pinks and whites. Lovely colours at the moment. The marguerites, which are white. Uriops, which is a yellow, bright yellow. I actually brought it in, remember I brought it in last week. That's that right, yellow, I, I, we never got a chance to talk about yeah, that last week. Yes. I brought it in last and week. And that so was very stunning now. Very, a nice mm. touch of spring. Nice actually touch of Easter mm. Yeah, very much it. so. 
So, so that's a very good plant. Uriops, uh, marguerites, violas, pansies, double daisies, dianthus. There's a lovely variety called Oscar in flower at the moment. It's a it's a very deep pink, nearly mm-hmm. bordering on red. Very nice variety, dianthus Oscar. Full flowers, be beautiful uh, pink colour. So. Look, there's lots of colour available and they'll tolerate the cold weather we have at the moment and maybe leave your hanging basket plants until for another couple of weeks. Okay, great. Because any of the colour I mentioned there will certainly still be in bloom in May, right up to mid-May, early June. So you'll knock value out of it. Exactly. I know this person obviously needs it for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, there's but plenty of instant colour yeah, available. But it'll, 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 they'll keep for obviously longer than, they will than, than the day required. They sure will. Anyway, best of luck with that project today. Uh, now, somebody, oh here, somebody has a question for Borek. It's about moss. How do, what's the best thing to put on the lawn to get rid of moss? Well, you can answer that one, surely. Well, I can. How are you getting actually, on, by the way? I, I'm getting on great, actually, Borek. Um, I have had a garden, just to fill people in, who maybe haven't been listening for the past couple of weeks, uh, a lawn that is absolutely covered in moss and uh, we have been applying Osmo to it right. for the last well we put the application down about probably about a week and a half ago now you put the lime stage. on first though, I you? put the lime yeah. on first yeah. uh, which I think if I'm right and correct me on this is to balance the pH in the soil yeah it's just yeah. sweeten the word to is sweeten sweeten, <laughs> sweeten the soil right. yeah. so you did that first uh, so I did that first yeah. um, and then a week later I put down the Osmo um, and definitely now I know the week has been bad weather wise and I wasn't out in the lawn too much I can tell you uh, and some of it might even be under a small bit of water but you can really see the moss dying off and the brown patches coming into it so either the osmo is working or the, the moss osmo, is drow- well, drowning well I just, no I, the, the rain last year didn't prevent it from uh, right, didn't yeah. make it go brown unfortunately yeah. so no I have to attribute it to the osmo yeah. um, and yeah it does seem to be doing a really good job on it um, it, does, it does take time it, yeah. it, it does take time but it, what, the way the osmo moss remover works it kills the soil it kills the roots of the mm. moss first and then the, the the, uh, the moss will wither and just die away. So, so you, you know, it's obviously you're and you. What, it's about two weeks. Is it two weeks? It's about two weeks. weeks. I'll yeah, tell yeah. you actually. I, uh, to the day it was, it was last Tuesday week that I okay. put it on. Yeah. Right. So yeah, about two weeks. So yeah. it does. It takes about two weeks to work. Mm. So really, um, if you want to control moss this time of year, look at this moss in every lawn. Okay. Um, they apply the the lime pellets first, and then a week later put on the Osmo moss remover. It takes about two two to three weeks to work. It'll actually work faster now as we're coming into the spring, as okay. the temperatures are beginning or should be warming up. Uh, it'll work that little bit quicker, mm. and uh, there shouldn't be any need to rake afterwards unless it's very heavy, yeah, unless the moss is very heavy. So right, well that's it'll just wither. It'll, it'll kind of I suppose you'll know yourself then from how much it dies off. Is it? Yeah, it won't go black. It'll right, go it'll more go a, a, brownie a, a brownie colour. Yeah, that's where it, that's what's happening at the moment. Right. Now, well, that's see. exactly the way it works. Yeah. And there's, I suppose there's, there's a couple of good patches in the lawn that maybe weren't that bad, but there are some <laughs> patches. Yeah, and what you and have, they're with, going quite brown now. What you have with the Osmo is a feed as well, so you're actually going to see it greening up as well. Now, if there are bare patches, if there yeah. are patches say bigger than a, a uh, saucer then you need to, you know, say four to six inches in yeah. diameter, you need to reseed some okay. of those areas. Right. But the feed within the within the Osmo moss remover will actually green up the lawn. It'll give it a lovely green colour without forcing growth. Mm. And you should be seeing that now in the next week or two. Keep an eye out for that because that should be kicking in now as, as the soil temperatures start to increase. Okay. So really, yeah, to kill moss, use the Osmo moss remover. It's going to take about two weeks to work. It'll kill from the roots up so the, the moss will wither without going black. Um, the other benefit with it is if you do drop a little bit on your tarmacadam or your paving slabs it's not going to turn them brown no <laughs> so I yeah. that there was a bit of lime dropped all right yeah, but, yeah. but that's fine it's, wa- yeah. it's it washing washes, away now it washes away yeah. um, and actually there's another person who also um, did the similar to myself Mary Jennings good morning to you um, and Mary's wondering 
Horrig, um, she says it's also working great on her lawn um, and she's wondering should she give it another feed now with the rain? It shouldn't be necessary. No, no. The one application, the, the feed that's in the Moss Remover, mm. it's it's a, a slow acting feed so it does take two or three weeks before you actually see the, the lawn greening up. So the fertiliser is there, Mary. You don't need to, to do anything now. Um, so I would leave the lawn leave it well enough alone for another two to three weeks maybe into the first week of May and and then by all means you can put on a straight lawn feed and just keep the growth going but there's enough fertiliser in the one application to keep it going till early summer Okay, and we only need to do the raking out if it's very if it's very bad and it's if it's not, very if, yeah if it's because not dying away of its own accord. No, kind of thing. what it tends to do the the osmo tends to the moss tends to wither and go into a powdery. It'll actually start to break up right. now. So it's it'll wither. Of, it dries up yeah. completely, and then when you start to cut the lawn, it, it just goes into a powder. Right. Yeah. So yeah. unless it's extremely heavy or you want to reseed an area, yeah. I wouldn't bother doing any raking. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Making your job easy. Aren't it, yes, you are, and I. That's that's why I like you so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's continue on. Uh, potatoes, uh, yes. still very much a lot of questions about potatoes. Last week we talked about new potatoes, but how do you grow the small salad ones? Well, the same way, the same way as you grow the uh, traditional potato varieties, you can grow salad varieties out of doors in pots, in a tunnel, uh, in raised beds, you know, wherever. The varieties to go for, there's a really good one called Pink Apple Fur. It's a really unusual uh potato and that it grows kind of very long mm. like like a pear right like pear shaped uh, um, potato yes uh, pink apple for his name it's got a pink skin very heavy cropper it's a main crop variety so you plant it up this time of year you'll be digging them out about late August early September um, fantastic flavour of that particular one but it is a kind of a, what we describe a sweet potato is well it? it's a soapy potato it's, oh, it's that right, kind of a yeah. salad the ones uh, that are good for the mayonnaise yeah but the beautiful flavour from that one so that's the one I would grow pink apple fir it's a very easy variety to grow it's available in garden centres at the moment again as I say you can grow them in pots and containers you can grow them in raised beds or you can grow them in the garden soil it's a perfectly hardy variety another good one is one called Sharon a lot, share a lot. That's you, a, yes, they're quite w- which well is in, done. Yeah. yeah. So and and with the salad potatoes, you can harvest them when they're small, mm-hmm. if you wish, mm-hmm. or you can let them grow then to full size, or you can do a bit of both. Okay. So you can start digging them August, late July, early August as small baby potatoes, mm-hmm. and then leave some in the ground to grow on till September, early October. And that particular variety, pink apple fir, stores very well. You'd actually still be using it at this time of year next year. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it'll actually store right through the winter period. Gosh. So if you like salad potatoes, pink apple fir, to me, is, is probably the best variety. Um, and if you, if you, it gets lots of reviews every year. It's an old, real old variety, uh, but it's kept because of its flavour and it's because of its, it's a fantastic um, cropper. Right. You know, from so a cu- yeah, you, won't cup- be, you won't be disappointed. No, no, you will right. not. No, it's a, quite a good one. If you like salad, salad potatoes, then that's the one to grow pink okay. apple fur. Okay, but the the method, as we were talking the about, methodology last week, is all the same. Is exactly the same. You feed feed in the same way. It may it will depending on the summer. It might need some blight protection, uh, but you grow it exactly the same way. And as I say, you can harvest them then small as baby potatoes, or let them grow on to full size. Lovely. So pink apple fur, that's a good one. Okay, and one more question. We're going to take a little yep. break then. Um, and somebody says their dad has a new plastic tunnel okay. and wants to know, can he grow potatoes in it? And what other items could he plant in a tunnel? They're new to this. Well, if they're in your area, they might want to go along to yeah, the... Yeah, it would come down to the, yeah, the grow your own. I mean, yeah, and yeah, um, we'd be covering tunnels on uh, today. Um, but yes, the answer is potatoes. And I do remember the thing with potatoes is they need an awful lot of space. So they're fine to grow some early varieties. So my advice, if you want some early new 
new potatoes for June, then certainly put varieties like Orla, uh, British Queens into the tunnel, grow them in the tunnel, either in the garden soil that's in the tunnel or in, a, in pots put three to four tubers in a pot of, with compost and they'll grow perfectly well. The tunnel, what it does really is it gives you a month of extra growth, earlier growth. So by putting the potatoes in now, uh, the frost is, isn't going to be as, as damaging and you're going to get that early spurt of growth and continuous growth grow right through the growing season. Uh, do remember that potatoes are bulky, so I wouldn't clog up the tunnel with just potatoes. So grow some early varieties by all means. But remember that you can grow tomatoes, you can grow yeah. cucumbers, you can grow melons, you can grow any of the fast maturing lettuce, all the salad crops, lettuce, onions, um, radishes, anything that you that will be quick to grow and you're going to be harvesting because you can once you harvest you can start planting again into the tunnel. So really use your tunnel to bring plants on early or to sow some seed for planting out of doors later on. Or it's great to use the tunnel say for planting some early uh, say hispe cabbage at this time of year but also plant some of it outdoors as well so you're really using the tunnel to bring plants on a month earlier than they traditionally would or even six weeks earlier right. than traditionally would and of course a day like today allows you to garden it does exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have all of that so look at there's lots of plants that you can grow in um, I, I noticed there was a question in on peaches I think yes we're coming, we will be coming to that as well, well you yeah. can, you ple- well, peach trees and nectarines apricots can all be grown in a tunnel a grapevine can be grown in a tunnel. Oh. So the tunnel gives you that extra protection that plants that traditionally you mightn't be able to grow out of doors are, are more tricky. The tunnel just gives you that extra protection and that early start. So there's all the vegetable varieties that can be grown in the tunnel. It's as simple as that. Okay. But little and often, remember that. Okay. We're going to come to that peach question and lots okay. more after these. you're very welcome back I'm looking for the question on peach that peach question I know it's here somewhere do you know what I'm going to ask you another one while Go I on. just find it sorry now I'm going to get my jet out of jail card quick um, somebody used the protector sea spray uh, that we were talking about on the programme last week okay. to kill the black insects and it killed a lot of them but they're wondering do they need to repeat it or how long will it last well the protector sea well, it was for millipedes we were talking about last week the small little black guys that creep into the house or can creep into the house the protector sea will generally last for about a week to ten days and then you should reapply now, I'd only reapply if the insects are, uh, if you're still seeing insect activity at night time. So maybe hold off for a day or two, see what's happening. And if you see some of the uh, millipedes creeping back in, you can certainly put the protective sea on. Once you put it on, it dries onto line or, or uh, timber or whatever indoors and it will stay active for about a week. So generally every 10 days you can reapply if necessary, but I'd wait on to see if there are any any of the insects coming back in again. Lovely. Some, now, here's the peach tree question. Uh, it's just in flower and it's in the greenhouse. Lovely. How do you get fruit this year? Well, uh, quite easily. I mean, the peaches are, particularly if you have them in tunnels and greenhouses, they're just coming up to flowering now. Um, and really, they need to be hand pollinated. pollinated. They're, mm-hmm. they're, uh, there's no insect activity at the moment. It's still too cold for the bees to be knocking around. So get out your paintbrush, a small little paintbrush, and uh, just dab the flowers as they open. Now, you'll probably have to do it over two to three weeks because the flowers won't all bloom together. Um, but certainly, they, they do need hand pollination to set the fruit. So get out with a, a small, uh, artist brush or anything at all that will transfer the pollen from one flower to another um, and do that over the next two to three weeks. Once the fruit then start to f- set, you'll notice over the next certainly by the end of April you'll have small marble-like peaches and you need to thin out the fruit to maybe about 10 or 15 peaches per uh, tree ideally so don't leave too much fruit to actually um, set on the one tree thin them out slightly but the hand pollination, pollination is very important with peaches nectarines apricots any of those early f- fruiting um, 
stone fruits and particularly in a greenhouse and tunnel. Uh, okay. So just get out the artist brush and give them a dab. I'll be dying to hear how you get on with that because oh, I, lo- I love peaches. They're, they're one so of my favourite summer They're fruits. actually so easy to grow. Really? And, and remember, I was in the Botanic Gardens last year during the summer and they have them growing out of doors on walls. Now, in the west of Ireland, we tend to get a thing called peach leaf curl, which is a, a curling or blistering of the leaf. Okay. Um, and it's, it's spread by moisture. So, of course, on the east coast... They, Sunny they don't, South. They don't they quite don't, have the wind yes, factor that yeah, we but have. So peaches yeah. will grow out of doors in Ireland quite successfully. Mm. Um, you do need a dry, sheltered, sunny wall for them. But far better to grow them in a tunnel and greenhouse. And you'll actually have fruit in July, August of this year. Great. So, oh, yeah. Easy, they're very easy to grow and they're frost hardy. They don't really suffer a whole lot of pests and diseases. Um, Gosh, I, I suppose you know the way you, in your you head think you they're kind exotic, of think that they're exotic, yeah. Well, yes, after yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, if you've got a greenhouse or a tunnel or anywhere like that, and they're actually beautiful in flower. They're lovely pink, really? bright pink, oh. like a cherry blossom flower. Very, They're very decorative. Lovely. We've got best of luck with that. Uh, the peach tree. Now, um, the, somebody's wondering about, they have a red scum on their house, um, a pebble dash wall. It okay. looks worse this spring. Uh, will power wash and remove it or can, is there anything that can spray? You're better off to treat it. That's red algae. It's yes. a red deposit, um, again, spread by moisture more than anything else. So I'm not surprised it's 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 worse this year. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, you can use Hygieia do a product called um, Red and Green Algae Killer, for, if memory serves me right. right. Um, it's Again, you mix it with water, you apply it on a dry day onto the algae and that will kill it off within 7 to 10 days and then you could give it a light power washing Lovely. by all means. Somebody wants to cover a large wall on their garage and they have a border of soil up against it and they're wondering what climbers would be good to use evergreen and easy please. Okay, well, evergreen, that, well, there's quite a range and it's a good, very good time to actually start planting uh, climbers in general. Now, the fact that you've got soil right at the base of the wall, that's terrific. The first thing to do is to really um, enrich that soil. So I would add in some organic matter, uh, some of the Seamongous fertilizer I talked about earlier, because once the climbers are in, they do need plenty of nutrition to actually cover the wall, particularly if it's a large wall, a large house wall or garage wall. Plants that come to my mind would be uh, certainly anything in the ivy family, the hedras, um, the, the variegated forms like gold child, gold heart, Paddy's pride is a lovely one uh, that gives lovely colour. Uh, pyracantha, the fire thorn, it retains its foliage 12 months of the year. Um, it's a thorny climber, but uh, quite a nice plant and it flowers in late April, early May and is covered then in orange, yellow or red berries depending on the variety. And with any of the evergreen climbers, it's also nice to introduce maybe some uh, flowering climbers up through them. So you can use the structure and the branch network of the ivies or the pyracantha to grow plants like clematis or honeysuckles during the summer months just to add a bit more co- more colour. Okay. Other plants that will come to mind would be um, evergreen honeysuckles there's a lovely one called Lonisra henryi. Think of Henry, mm-hmm. Henryi, which is an evergreen um, Lonisra or honeysuckle, which is that beautiful scent during the summer, but nice leathery green leaves uh, all through the winter. Ceanotus, some of the evergreen Ceanotus varieties would be quite good as well. Um, there are some evergreen Clematis varieties, oh, like right. Clematis armandii, which again retains their foliage. Cissus striata, which is the evergreen Virginia creeper. So there's quite a choice. So, so from variegated ivies to pyracantha to ceanotus, which has beautiful blue flowers, Californian lilac it's called. It's got lovely blue flowers. And with any of them, I would introduce then, once they get established after a couple of years, introduce some summer flowering 
uh, climbers like um, the Scottish Flame Creeper would be lovely. Yeah, uh, Tropolinium is a lovely. Um, it's in the nasturtium flam- family, but a beautiful scarlet red flower. A little bit different and unusual, but it would do very well up through ivy. Or some of the clematis varieties would be lovely to mix through it. So there's plenty. Okay, plenty of choice. Of choice there altogether. And uh, a very good time to actually plant them this time of year. Do give them some support. Ivy will actually self-cling itself, but do give it some support in the formative years just to get it onto the wall and, and um, sucking and attaching awesome. itself to the wall. Yeah. Okay. Now, a couple of hedge questions for you, Porik. Um, somebody is wondering, that, can you suggest something to plant that would provide a good, strong security hedge and that likes something with thorns, please? Uh. <laughs> A thorny, a thorny problem. Yes. <laughs> well, the, one of the plants I mentioned there makes a terrific um, evergreen hedge, pyracantha, the fire thorn. It's mm. thorny. The, the thorns are about inch long. Oh, um, right, okay. Really, really good plant. Um, so that that's one I would certainly select. And it comes a whole range of different colours and does equally well as a hedge as it does as a climbing plant. So pyracantha would form a really tough hedge. Um, Hippophae, sea buckthorn, uh, Hippophae rhamnoides. It's a silver-leafed um a silver leaf plant that actually does very well in seaside areas. Very tough, hardy. It has thorns, right? Quite sharp thorns. Um, lovely orange berries then in autumn period and it makes a very, very solid hedge. So that would be quite good. Holly, of course, common holly yes, would be tough, hardy, evergreen, makes a really good hedge. Berberus darwinii, which are many of the Berberus family. Some are evergreen, some are deciduous, but all the Berberuses contain thorns. Berberus Dar- darwinii has thorns not just on the stems, but also on the leaves. They're quite thorny, quite a tough plant um, and certainly would be a deterrent uh, as a hedge. Um, roses, Rosa rugosa, the wild rose, which again is very spiny um, and, and would again be a very good deterrent. So for me, I would go for some of the common holly varieties. Um, some of the thorny varieties would be very good. Berberus, huge range of varieties of Berberus available. Pyracanth makes a really good, tough, hardy, evergreen hedge. Mm. That one I mentioned for seaside areas is Hippophae rhamnoides or sea buckthorn. Again, quite thorny, silver foliage, nice orange berries in the autumn. So again, Quite a good, good range yeah, of choice there yeah, as well for yeah, people. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm staying just with hedges. Somebody is wondering about the trimming of laurel hedges and how do they root the clippings? Well, it's to be honest, it's a little bit late for trying to root the cuttings. And um, so, first of all, it's a good time to prune them back, yep. to shape them before we get into the new growth. So, tip them back now, give them a feed, and you get lots of, of young growth coming on laurel. So, great time to prune them back. The trouble with trying to root the cuttings is that between it takes time for the mm. for the rushing uh, the, the cuttings to root and before we come into new growth which is only 3 weeks away it's unlikely that the plants will have a sufficient time to actually root. Far better to take the cuttings in the autumn period. So if you want to propagate um, laurel, I would take them late summer, August, September period, or any time from November through to Christmas is a really good time to take cuttings. You can take them at that time of year quite long, anything up to a foot, 18 inches in length, and root them out of doors. And they've got plenty of time then through the winter period to initiate roots before we come into the growing season. So trying to root them at this time of year is very difficult better but but by all means trim them back feed them you get lots of new growth and on that new growth then take your cuttings next autumn. Next autumn. Okay. Now, um, sorry, I had another question. No, I here. should say with yep. Laurel, it, it's still, we're still in the bare root season. So if the listener was wanted to kind of expand the hedge or put in, maybe fill some gaps, yeah. then you can buy bare root Laurels. They're quite cheap to buy. You'll buy them two feet high. Um, it's a you know, good time to get them at this time of year. So look for the bare root 
um, Laurel. laurels and and they'll come into growth then straight away and you'll get good significant growth this summer great now do you stock red pom-pom dahlias yes uh, pom- all dahlias is well, we do all the different varieties yeah. of dahlias pom-pom is that like the uh, it's like the drum kit you know the little the uh, <gasps> you know, I probably got myself into no. a there now you know the, the pom-pom <laughs> the, pom- so yeah. the little pom-pom head on yes, it yes the right, ones so you used to have when you were a kid there you go Yeah, but with the little pom-pom <laughs> right on the top yeah. so um the little drummer boy. Yes, indeed. So they're pom-pom dahlias. They're small-headed dahlias. Uh, you get lots of flowers off the plants. Lovely for cutting. Very decorative in amongst, if you want to fill gaps in shrub borders or beds or flower beds. It's got that old co- cottage traditional look. And uh, so they're available in many different colours, as well as the cacti variety and the decorative forms. There's loads of dahlias. Really good time to plant them. Don't plant them out of doors yet. I would start them off indoors. And I think I mentioned last week that if you do start them indoors, it gives you the opportunity to split them and divide them like splitting a potato in half right. you can divide the actual tubers and plant them out of doors then in about the f- late April the first week of May when frost has the risk of frost has gone because they are frost sensitive Lovely Now somebody has noticed a lot of starlings feeding and rooting in the lawn and cutting the grass up and should they be worried? They should because that's that would be a clear indication of leather jackets they're feeding on the leather jackets and starlings, crows um, will predate on, on leather jackets leather jackets are the larvae of the crane fly the daddy long legs mm-hmm. and particularly when we get a wet summer like we did last year they lay their eggs everywhere both in tunnels and in out in the lawns and the so there's a small maggot very rubbery in texture very distinctive when you see them but if you see starlings or crows or any bird particularly flocks of them feeding on a lawn and tearing the lawn they're tearing for the leather jackets. Um, now, to be 100% sure, what I would do is get a small bit of, of um, washing up liquid, mix it in, in water, put it onto the surface of the of the lawn and you'll see them coming up to the surface for air. And they're small, rubbery, brown in colour. If they're there, use a product called Clinch. C-L-I-N-C-H. Clinch is very effective in killing off leather jackets um, and, and many soil pests like cutworms and uh, cabbage root fly. So I use a product called Clinch, but test first of all to make sure that it is leather jackets. It could be feeding on worms as well, but it, it sounds like, and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised this year after the wet summer, that leather jackets are going to be a problem in many lawns and also in soil in general. Okay. So if you do need to treat them, use that product called Clinch. Okay, very quickly and finally, um, somebody was watching the Dermot O'Neill Garden Programme oh, on good. Thursday yeah. and he had lots of lovely lupins in flower. How do you grow the lupins? Well, it's now is the time to plant them and lupins are coming back into vogue uh, over the last two to three years. They're a really good cottage garden plant, a stunning plant really and, and uh, I think they give great value from money. Um, too late to sow them from seed but you can get plants of them at this time of year and uh, just if you plant the plants, I would generally plant them in groups of three to give a nice kind of solid border effect and they'll come into flower from about the first week of June um, right through the summer period depending on, on the variety so great time to plant lupins um, do watch for slugs with them initially until they get certainly above a, a foot in height um, but yeah they're, they're, they're dead hardy you can plant them out of doors even with the frost they're, they're totally frost hardy they should be available in garden centres at the moment it's a really good time to plant them but do plant them in groups of 
three. Um, and look for maybe some of the shorter varieties because okay. they don't need any staking um, and they look really really nice from midsummer onwards. Okay. Uh, now I know there's actually loads more questions on potatoes and things like that that have come in. We're not going to get to them but again you do have the Grow Your Own We have weekend, the Grow Your Own so weekend in yeah. all the stores in, in Westport, in Galway, in Sligo and in Turlock and Castlebar. Do come down if you have any questions uh, in terms of Grow Your Own fruit, vegetables and herbs and remember the team from Mayo Abbey Organic Centre are going to be on hand this students and some of the lecturers are going to be there to talk to you about the courses that they mm-hmm. run but also about how to grow vegetables organically okay well lots uh, of information there and we, we might do is combine those potato questions and maybe tackle them again yeah, on the programme um, next week yeah I'm on TV3 this Thursday if people want to tune in at half eight in the morning yes, so it's not only Dermot O'Neill no. that's on the telly is it so I'll be doing a little <laughs> bit of fruit I plan to do some fruit how to prune fruit and also some of the varieties to plant so that's TV3 okay. 8 35 Thursday morning. morning and again our website is gardencentre.ie so if you have any want any additional fact sheets or information go on to gardencentre.ie there's lots of information there lovely stuff Pori Corkin good morning thanks to you thanks Deirdre until next week oh, until next week